0: It's the new Boba Fett Star Wars large-size action figure from Kenner. Darth Vader sold separately. Capture
1: them alive! I'm the best bounty hunter in the whole galaxy. That's why you got the job.
0: Boba Fett has a see-through helmet with play rangefinder to locate your objective. You can move his legs, knees, arms, even wrists and elbows. His backpack unit is removable. You have your mission. Good luck. I don't need luck. I'm the best. New Boba Fett Star Wars large-size action figure from Kenner. Darth Vader sold separately. Boba Fett and many other action figures are available at Jets Toy Hut. Visit Jets Toy Hut at T O Y H U T T dot com. Toy dot com. All too easy. Mind controlling tramp stamps. I'm Kevin Leeson. Friends don't let friends decapitate drunk. I'm Torrin Atkinson. It's not the size of the meal. It's what you do with it. I'm Joe Fulgham.
2: Follow-ups nine. Follow-ups nine. Follow-ups nine from outer space. I'm Dr. Rob Tarswell, and this is Caustic Soda.
0: This will be the Follow-Ups 9 episode. Nine. It's German for no. Although I should have said, yes. <laughs> Why? I, d- I agree with you. It will be Follow-Ups 9. Oh, I see. De Follow-Ups D. And Dr. Rob is here as our special guest.
1: Hey.
0: Thank you. I'd like to start off with some follow-ups on our old Follow-Ups episodes.
3: Oh. Meta-Follow-Ups? Okay. This meta- is the
0: meta-Follow-Up episode. This is the, uh, Are you the concentric read? circle of follow-ups. I thought he was going to read up all the you guys suck emails. <laughs> follow-up you guys suck from follow-ups 4 we've got uh, some listener mail from Devin who says i just wanted to add to your bit on anencephaly uh something to do with brains no head the this condition is caused by the lack of folic acid also known as vitamin b9 a sop- supplement often given to pregnant women folic acid is found in leafy green vegetables but it is not often not enough for pregnant women
2: true yeah we give uh pregnant women Multivitamins and folic acid during pregnancy to prevent anencephaly, but mostly to prevent spina bifida. Oh, spina bifida. So,
3: hold on a sec. So, if you don't get enough of this, your baby doesn't have a head?
2: Potentially in a pretty severe case, but what will happen more typically can be failure to develop of the spinal column low okay. down with aplasia or lack of development of the spinal cord itself, all okay. the way to complete lack of a spinal.
0: Is that spina bifida?
2: That's spina bifida. Everywhere from, everywhere from minor to severe. The minor case would be spina bifida occulta, which is just a little hole in the spinal column. That exposes a bit of the spinal cord. That's, that's good news. That's often discovered incidentally. Oh.
3: Well, occulta, that means yeah. that's how the... Hidden, ca- that's mean, hidden. That's how the Cthulhu gets in, right? Yeah. Through the, the occulta. U- the occulta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: That's Actually, exactly right. Uh, an old, old high school friend of ours had spina bifida.
0: Spina bifida. Spina bifida. Yeah. All right. Spina bifida, all together now, spina bifida. It's what's good for you. Spina bifida, <laughs> spina, bifida. spina bifida. Now, with somebody with spina bifida, would it make
3: spinal taps easier? Because the hole's already there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, this you have to,
2: convenient. You'd have to know uh, where the hole is. Um, oh, you can't just see it? D- no. No, it's oh. not a hole right through your back. It's just a hole in the spinal column itself. You can't feel it? You can can't necessarily feel it. Well, if it's big enough, you can feel it. But if it's, if it's that big, then this is probably symptomatic spina have, bifida. You would have discomfort. And um, you don't want to be digging your fingers around in there.
0: <laughs> Why not?
3: Okay. Well, all right. Spinal be, fluid is gross. No, you just treat it like the off button, right? Think? Think? <laughs> and then it's like legs give out or something.
0: The doctor oh. says I wouldn't get so much paralysis oh. if I just kept my finger out of my spine. <laughs> <laughs> he also says, Devin, that Africans are resistant to malaria because of a mutation that causes sickle cell anemia when a person is heterozygous... That means they've got one sickle gene and one normal gene. Okay. For sickle cell anemia, they are resistant to malaria. So it's a trade-off. Does that sound reasonable?
2: Uh, it's, a, it's a hypothesis. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, oh. Um, because the idea is that malaria needs regular blood cells to invade, the nice biconcave discs, the little red donuts.
0: Oh, the little red donuts. Oh, right.
2: Torn's favorite. And of course, the sickle cells, also known uh, as blood crullers, have <laughs> abnormal abnormal morphology, often looking like a sickled moon. Uh-huh. Okay, thus sickle cell anemia. Uh huh. The and, blood cruller. And it's thought that the uh, malaria bugs. I mean, there's, there's there's many many different kinds of, okay. of malaria. Most common is falciparum It can't get into the sickle okay. cell. Now the he- the heterozygosity means you're going to have some normal erythrocytes or red blood cells and some sickled. And theoretically, this is thought to perhaps confer an immunity advantage. Uh, I'm not sure what the latest data actually shows because um, sickle cell anemia is just a plain old bad disease. And I think, uh, at least, last time I looked into it was a long time ago. It's more this is more than ten years ago now. You are actually pretty seriously fucked if oh. you have. Sickle cell anemia, not the medical term,
0: folks. and then get and get malaria. Uh-huh. <laughs> I saw that on a chart at the end of my bed once when I was in the hospital. Seriously fucked
3: <laughs> on your chart,
4: yeah. uh, just scrawled in red pen, yeah, yeah, yeah crayon. Yeah. And you're like,
2: so it's I one of those things that sounds doctor. nice in theory, but it's not clear that the data actually bears it out.
3: But if it were proven to be the case, then yeah. it would be kind of a, be like the scales of justice bouncing out. No malaria. But danger of sickle cell anemia. There's
4: a bunch of hypotheses about things like that, like uh, mm-hmm. schizophrenia mm-hmm. making you more, more resistant. To, I can't even remember what it was. But the certain things that we think of as, as useless, horrible disabilities, disabilities yeah. have some kind of slight advantage to them on the There's other side. There's always
0: a silver lining with AIDS.
4: <laughs> I don't think that one's <laughs> genetic.
0: <Yeah>. Oh. <laughs> and then we were also talking about being screeched in. Yeah, Yeah. okay, I've done that. Amanda says, I have a friend from Newfoundland that insists on that being screeched in is complete BS and only done to tourists as a complete joke. No actual Newfoundlander has actually kissed a cod or said that line. And from Wikipedia, it says, this practice is a marketing gimmick developed by the Newfoundland Liquor Corporation and embraced by the public and bars, which enables it to build and sustain sales of an otherwise standard rum, citation needed, and... Facebook friend Jessica H. says, real. It's about kissing the cod and drinking a shot of Screech, which is almost like vodka, but not really. It's become a tourist thing because it's hilarious, not sure of the origins. My dad still has a bottle of Screech in the house. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Natasha Henstridge Uh from Ghosts of Mars. And Species fame. uh, Mm -hmm. Who was born in Newfoundland, Screeched in Conan O'Brien in 2009.
4: Yeah. I don't know how you can start off saying it's total BS and then say it's only done to tourists. Well, then it's not BS. It's just
2: only done to tourists. Do you hear that, Conan O'Brien? Sucker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
4: Conan, you're a tourist. You're not really from Newfoundland. Oh.
3: Oh, wait. Yeah, even if it is just a gimmick to sell rum or to get tourists to do something to feel like they had an experience while they were in Newfoundland, who the hell cares? Still, I mean, it's kind of inherent, you're almost. Still in the being title. hit in the face with a fish. Yeah, you're being you're being screeched in, right? So yeah. maybe the assumption is is that everybody who's born in Newfoundland already has. They don't have
2: to do it. They've got
3: cod. Right. They got rum in their blood because all their mothers were drinking it while they were pregnant.
2: <laughs> Newfoundland citizens. They're
3: screeched in, but via placenta. Yeah.
2: Uh, it's uh, like a... <laughs> but a, a. A buddy of mine from Newfoundland said that, you know, screech is, yes, screech is indeed nasty. But if you want to get the really nasty stuff, what you need to drink is swish. And I said, well, what is swish? Well, <laughs> swish is what question. happens when you empty the screech barrel and then you add water and swish it around oh, okay. to try and get the screech that's still impregnated in the wood. Yeah. Oh, wow. And he said, you can't do that too many times because some of that. Is wood alcohol, mm-hmm. and so yeah. make you go blind. <laughs> and
0: you can go blind from doing swish the wrong way. I thought you were going to say it's when someone who has drunk uh, screech has thrown up into the toilet, and then you drink from that.
3: but that would be swish. That would be sploosh. <laughs> oh, yeah, sploosh. Great. that's
0: sploosh. Correct.
2: That's only for tourists. You
1: devil
4: <laughs> have you been splooshed in, sir? All right, I'm going to drink a bit more, and we'll get you done. My mom's a Newfoundlander, and right. uh, growing up, there is a bottle of screech up in our cabinet the whole time I was growing up. Cause, for, for all the tourists
3: that stopped by the house?
4: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We just mm-hmm. never had a cod, so we couldn't screech them in. Yeah. I didn't hear about screeching in until fairly recently, but Newfoundland screech is absolutely uh, something that, that Newfies kind of have a little bit of pride in, except, yeah, it is a cheap rum. It's a Jamaican rum. It's
2: Jamaican, yeah. It's from the days of the cod trade.
0: Well, let's move to a follow-up for cannibalism. In the news. Oh, really? June 2012, Mao Sugiyama, born a man but who self-identifies as asexual, underwent voluntary genital genital removal. All right. That happens all the time. Being a chef and a performance artist, oh. Sugiyama decided oh. it would be I don't be
2: like a... where this is going.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sugiyama decided it would be a grand idea to throw a party and cook the removed genitals No! No! For the highest bidders. No! Oh. so ah. <laughs> He had an auction? He tweeted a photo of his severed genitals thawing in a baggie okay near, ah! <laughs> near, <laughs> there there it is which we may or may not put in the, uh, <laughs> on, the on the website we'll, we'll link to it caustic <laughs> uh, oh, soda this has this will this will be the icon for this post <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just, <laughs> okay uh, nearly 70 people showed Trigger up for warning. the genital feast for those of you who seventy, Andrew. seven zero? Uh, yeah, seven zero. There okay, well,
3: okay. Now hold on a sec. If you're inviting seventy people over for a dinner party and your genitals are on the menu, this means one of two things. Sliced. This means one <laughs> of two things. Either your genitals were something to behold.
0: Yeah. Or you're only getting a sliver of genital here. Yeah. Well, in fact, um only five had paid the two hundred and fifty dollars for the privilege of eating Sugiyama's genitals.
3: Only two hundred and fifty dollars for Genitals? I thought you'd be able to charge more than that. What's, I gotta be honest. What's yours
0: worth, Kevin? How I, much no, would you charge? One
3: million each. <laughs> at yeah, least. I'm gonna
2: need more than 1,250 to hand them <laughs> yes. over. I, I would be able to offer an all-you-can-eat banquet.
3: Okay. Mm. Uh, but you'd still want
2: more than one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars. My God, that's not even a month's rent, <laughs> especially in Japan.
3: You can barely get a uh, you know one of those hotel rooms that's just a cute cubicle.
2: No. Oh, oh the oh no 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 back up. There's the oh <laughs>
3: it's
4: rare. <laughs> Why is it rare?
3: They like the sushi over there.
0: According to those who attempted to dine in the genitals, the penis was rubbery, the scrotum was leathery, the testicles were hard on the outside and glutinous in the middle. <laughs> I'm showing these pictures. <laughs> if you're wondering why this was allowed to happen without intervention from authorities, it turns out Japan has no laws against cannibalism. Yeah, I'm none sure against kitty porn either. Uh, so.
2: <laughs>
4: yeah, you can buy it in little dispenser, automatic dispenser machines all over the place with Rape Man, the superhero. Yeah, you
2: want to leave your magazines on the Japan Airlines plane when you get into Vancouver from mm-hmm. Tokyo. Mm-hmm.
3: Wow. Uh, I don't even know what to say about this. Uh, bon appétit. So uh, are they saying... <laughs> Get it? Bon appétit. <laughs> I did. Well, I guess... I mean, uh, there you go, listeners. If any of you want to uh, serve and or eat genitals you Japan... Just, just go to... T- take a trip.
2: I'm sure that's the next pamphlet from So that Jap- German guy. Japan tourism. If they'd gone to Japan to do that. But it was another person... Oh, he ate the because, person. Yeah, he killed right. and ate the person. Yeah,
4: so the murder thing. Even, even I don't even think you can. You can. You're allowed to murder somebody with their permission.
3: Who knows? That's but, euthanasia. Uh, That's legal uh, somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah.
2: In my libertarian paradise, you'll be able to <laughs> murder somebody with their
0: consent. Uh, going to follow-ups five. Uh huh. Speaking of eating things, uh, Spooky Paradigm says I've eaten armadillo when I was in El Salvador because we were talking about. Uh, leprosy and armadillos. Yes, uh uh-huh. And how some people have gotten leprosy from eating armadillo. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It either tasted like chicken but had the texture of pork or vice versa. I can't really remember which, but it was different versus frog leg, which just sucked. And (laughs) yes, I was paranoid about leprosy but went ahead and ate it anyway. Well, I guess we learned from Dr. Jenna...
3: Leprosy, only like fifteen percent of the population in the world is even capable of right. getting leprosy right? right so you got like you you got a one in six chance of getting leprosy
2: no no, no, a one in six chance that you can contract it, yes, not of getting it oh yeah,
3: that you're even be lepers in the streets. It. <laughs> There'd be lepers in the streets. So the one in six chance of even having the chance of contracting it, and then even then, you might not get it from a cooked armadillo. Yeah. Eh, I think you, you know pretty nice. you pretty much rolled the You got a better chance of getting uh, like herpes. It's like twenty five percent of the population has herpes or something
0: from eating armadillos. <laughs> well, from eating oh. armadillos, <laughs> eating—that's where the cold sores come from. Uh-huh. All right, let's go to wrath. One of the seven wrath. deadly, th- seven all deadly right. yes. One Something we missed on the Wrath episode. This is not a follow-up. This is just an oversight. Because I learned recently that running amok, you guys have all heard that. I yeah. did. Uh, yeah, that's A-M-O-K- a pretty common A-M-O-K- term. A-M-O-K. Yeah. Sometimes referred to as simply amok is a term for a killing spree perpetrated by an individual out of rage or resentment over perceived mistreatment. Okay. Amok originated from the Malay word mengamuk. Okay. Which is a mango running amok. (laughs) A mango running amok, yes. somebody throwing mangoes at you. Uh, Which roughly defined means to make a furious and desperate charge. According to Malay culture, amok was rooted in a deep spiritual belief. They believed that amok was caused by the Hantu Belian, which was an evil tiger spirit that entered one's body and caused the heinous act. As a result in, of the belief, those in Malaysian culture tolerated amok and dealt with the aftereffects with no ill will towards the assailant. That's traditionally.
4: Well, they, they couldn't help it. They were yeah. in the throes of Panfar. Yeah, that exactly. Is, that the, is the
0: amok time. The tiger spirit <laughs> that consumed you. Uh, although commonly used in a colloquial and less violent sense, the phrase is particularly associated with a specific sociopathic culture-bound syndrome in Malaysian culture. In a typical case of running amok, a male who has shown no previous sign of anger or any inclination to violence will acquire a weapon, traditionally a sword or dagger, but presently a variety of weapons are used, and in a sudden frenzy will attempt to kill or seriously injure anyone he encounters. Amok typically takes place in a well-populated or crowded area. Uh Amok episodes of this kind normally end with the attacker being killed by bystanders or committing suicide. Gee, that's nice. Wow. If this is truly culture-bound, this is kind of our psychosis callback as well. Yeah, those who survive typically lose consciousness, and upon regaining consciousness, claim amnesia. Yeah, but who wouldn't, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, is anybody surprised by that? Yeah. When you go on a killing spree and you pass
3: out and then wake up and go, uh, what happened? It's like the uh,
4: non-sexual version of Shaggy's It Wasn't Me. <laughs> Wasn't me.
0: Amok was officially classified as a psychiatric condition in 1849, based on the numerous reports and case studies, which showed that the majority of individuals who committed amok were, in some sense, mentally ill. However, DSM-IV-TR, DSM-4, TR. -TR.
2: What is that? That's the fourth edition of the Diagnostic Manual. Oh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, text revision. Text revision. Thank you, sir. That's the four. Is the one that took
3: out homosexuality as a mental disorder, right? Three. Three took it out. Mm. Uh, four so was the one, one where they went
0: back in time to rescue the whales. <laughs> <laughs> dsm 4 tr does not break a mock down into two official categories. The two forms are a and a mock. Baromock, B-E-R-A-M-O-K, mm-hmm. is considered the more common of the two and is associated with the depression and sadness resulting from a loss death of a loved one, loss of a job, etc., and the subsequent brooding process. Baramok is associated with mental issues of severe depression or other mood disorders, whereas Amok, the rarer form, is believed to stem from rage, insult, or a vendetta against a person or society for a wide variety of reasons. So the first one is the homicidal version of postpartum depression. I guess so. And the second one it's just rage. is just homicidal. Hmm. Uh, more closely associated with psychosis, personality disorders, bipolar disorders, and delusions.
4: The Wikipedia page mentions a uh, similarity between this and berserkers in uh, Norse and uh, Indonesia and mm. places like that. That soldiers would be facing an apparently inevitable death and then suddenly burst into a frenzy of violence that, like, so startled their enemies that they actually might win, right. even though, you know, everything was lost.
2: My love for you is
0: like a truck berserker. berserker. All right, follow-up Six. Gavin Pitts, we had talked about the uh one eyed albino shark,
3: <laughs> yes, the
0: cyclopean albino shark, <laughs> yes, uh, appears to be suffering from the genetic abnormality cyclopia, which invariably results in stillbirth. It occurs in humans as well as can be seen in this photo oh my goodness. oh so we're going to put this on the website causticsodapodcast.com? dot com you're going to put
2: a stillborn baby with one eye on the web is that wrong? <laughs>
0: I know my mother wouldn't approve, but I normally don't listen to her.
1: <laughs> ah! uh.
0: Well, that is a baby with one eye. There's no doubt about
3: it. It reminds me of Krull. Remember the Cyclops in Krull? <laughs> it reminds me of every Cyclops. Early. It's somebody with one eye in the middle of their face. Like but yeah, How is that different it c- than
0: every other Cyclops in throat history? Yeah, but Crowley had a really big bulge in his forehead where all the prosthetics obviously were put.
3: Yeah, okay. So, bad prosthetics. Yeah. So, you, you think this photo was faked? Yes. Think they prosthetic that baby up? So, why don't we put this one on the page instead? Oh. Fine. <laughs> 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 no nah, we definitely need to put the baby on I, it's terrible
4: oh uh, we apologize
3: has any baby ever been born cyclopean and survived no idea that's probably an extremely
2: rare condition
3: is, is it possible
2: you, no yeah idea. but they couldn't get a driver's license <laughs> it's about to say their night vision be shot i mean i'm guessing if the eye is like that there's probably other morphological problems involving the brain mm-hmm. that's Psycho- not the- just going to affect your It's not just cosmetic. The
0: Cyclops will stay mythological for the time being. Gavin also uh, mentioned that he loves the sack barnacles, as he calls them. Remember the barnacles that uh, get into the crabs and cause them to... Control their minds. (laughs) Yeah, basically. He did an entire lecture on them during his forensic entomology course. Really? Colloquially, they're called puppeteer barnacles because they turn their hosts into their own personal glove puppet. As well as being parasitic on parasitic on crustaceans, recently a new species has been discovered that... On atta- humans! <laughs> Wait. <laughs> that attaches itself to the spines of vertebrates, such as deep-sea sharks. If I ever get my hands on a live specimen, you bet you I'm going to plug it into a person just to see what happens. Oh,
3: well, Gavin, you know, you can now be prosecuted. You just... <laughs> You just, right. you just made evidence against yourself.
2: He in didn't the say news, which person. This,
3: Mind-controlled person in Australia.
2: <laughs> I, I'm sure he'd
0: only do it to a very wicked person.
3: Uh, or, or just So go, himself. Um, <laughs> oh,
0: he's wicked. Anelasma squalicola is the parasitic barnacle in question. Ooh. It parasitizes deep-water squaliform, which is dogfish-type sharks, such as the velvet belly lantern shark. Ooh, one of my favorites. Like, yeah, that sounds like a nice
3: shark. Actually, a velvet belly lantern shark. It has multiple purposes. It would feel nice. <laughs> like that, that sounds like something it, that uh, you lights would, your way and yeah. in the dark. Yeah, you would snuggle waters. up in bed because it like you know be all velvety and you could read by its lantern.
0: The sharkiness is
3: the kind of one yeah. detriment here. Back
0: in the 1800s, when they just couldn't put their lanterns underwater, it <laughs> oh, just had yeah. cages full of lantern sharks. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that that could happen, how it happened, would. right? It seems to be rather specific about where it embeds itself in the host, and most anelasma are found attached near the front or alongside the shark's dorsal fin, uh, first dorsal fin, in numbers ranging from one all the way up to four in a cluster. Okay. Unlike the heavily derived order of parasitic barnacles, the rhizocephalon, such as Sacculina carcini, which we talked about, anelasma looks superficially like most barnacle, especially the part that protrude from the body of the host, with the exception of the soft body and the lack of calcareous plates. However, the similarity to the usual barnacle ends there. analasma has no feeding limbs, and the rest of this peculiar barnacle is an onion-shaped bulb inserted into the host tissue. Okay. The bulbous structure is equipped with numerous root-like tendrils that infiltrate the host tissue enabling the parasite to absorb nutrients from its host. Yeah, so it doesn't need feeding arms on the outside because it's got feeding arms on the inside. Precisely,
3: sir. It's like it's not reaching out into the ocean and grabbing food. It's reaching inside the animal and grabbing food. Into like a fleshy living,
4: garden. Living inside a pizza hut. But here's the question.
3: Okay, yep. so the the crab one, uh, we talked about the motivation behind yep. that barnacle and, uh, and, w- and why it needs to take over the crab and all the rest of that stuff. But if you take over a dogfish... Like what can you make the dogfish do that would actually serve the barnacle
0: well? Uh, well, I don't know that, but I can tell you that it severely impairs the development of the shark's reproductive organs. Uh-huh. While many parasites are known to castrate their host, and indeed all trematodes castrate their first intermediate host during the asexual stage of their life cycle. Cycle. Uh-huh. This is one of the few known parasitic castrators of a vertebrate host. Okay, so lots of exciting stuff going on there. Yeah, no kidding. So uh, it gets into your spine. It... I'm, I'm not sure what it's making them do. Yeah, it's kind
3: of kind of mind controlling and maybe a little bit, perhaps. And then they uh, they can't have babies anymore. Could we
4: use this as some kind of male birth control? Remove the mind control part and just put it on somebody's spine and uh,
3: a, a natural, uh, organic, <laughs> an organic, organic, all natural, all natural if, plant. If, if you joke,
0: thought putting a condom on before you have sex was hard and annoying, <laughs> Joe goes first. <laughs> Uh, you could have a new tramp stamp that said
3: insert barnacle here.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like a little target. Yeah, Yeah, a little uh, (laughs) bullseye. This is my my ideal barnacle placement location. And he also mentioned we were talking about the snake venom drug Mm -hmm. that people were taking to get high. Yes, okay. Snake venom as a venom is not a poison. It is only dangerous if injected into the bloodstream. You can safely drink snake venom and I suppose get high from uh, the this cobra's venom so long as you have no cuts in your mouth or stomach
4: that's yeah i was just gonna add that myself wait a minute <laughs> yeah. you're, so you're if you're 100 percent
2: sure there are no cuts
4: in your stomach this so,
2: is kind of like eating the fugu fish do right? a like, full
4: internal
0: scan yeah would you know if you had a cut in your stomach
2: presumably most commonly that would be an ulcer and you'd right. know about that that'd be pretty painful right okay. yeah um, but i say after a severe episode of vomiting uh, you could have a little tear, and in goes All the right. venom. All right, so so self-tip: so, uh, don't
0: so drink just, the snake so, venom right after you've thrown up. It's
2: not a hangover cure. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> not
0: do not use it as the hair of so, the dog.
3: So hold on. So he didn't confirm or deny that snake venom may in fact get you hot. Right. Uh, just that if you're not, as long as it's you, it's relatively
0: safe. If, as long as you don't inject it, drinking snake venom is safer than being bitten by a snake. I think, I think, <laughs> okay.
2: um, I think Mr. Pitts knows more than he's saying.
3: <laughs> you know, I don't know if it gets you high. <laughs> you can practically hear him rolling his eyes in his email, Joe.
2: You know, I hear Perth is a pretty boring. <laughs> And isolated city. And there's a, of a lot I mean, of
4: venomous snakes over there. Yeah, yeah. It might be
2: the Western Australian equivalent of huffing gas. Of course, there are Australians.
4: They just let them bite them. Shink- oh, that's good stuff.
3: What would you call venom moonshine? Like moonshine is, you know, grain <laughs> alcohol. What would venom-based moonshine hiss. be? Call it hiss. hiss. Oh, yeah, that's like a good hiss. one. That's a good one you have to
2: ask a southern snake Pentecostal. I mean, I'm sure they (laughs) have. uh, That's true. I'm sure they're making this stuff. (laughs) Or snake
4: handler. Or sting. You call it sting. Oh, yeah, yeah.
3: I saw recently the new Will Ferrell movie, The Campaign, Will Ferrell, Zach Galifianakis movie.
1: How's it? What's it about?
3: Uh, It's about a a political campaign. Congress, uh, uh, a Democrat, played by Will Ferrell, is being taken on by a Republican, played by Zach Galifianakis. And uh, Zach Galifianakis starts to climb the polls, so desperate to to garner every possible vote in his uh, Carolina county. Uh, Will Ferrell goes to a uh, snake handling church right. and, uh, and 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 proceeds to get. I can already bitten. see the scene in <laughs> yeah. my head. I know exactly
4: how Will Ferrell would do it. Yeah, it, there's got to be a scene with snakes hanging off his body, and he mugs at the camera, screaming.
3: You went through sort of all the things you thought w- that was going to happen, uh-huh. and then they cut to another another shot, and, and I actually made this noise in the theater. whoa <laughs> in the theater. So uh,
0: I'm going to recommend it. Well, let's move on to decapitation. Oh, of course. Why not? News from June 2011. A remarkably well-preserved shrunken head has just been authenticated by DNA analysis, which provides strong evidence that anecdotal accounts of violent headhunting in South America were true. Was there any real doubt? Did we doubt this? Did we doubt that there were headhunters? We hunters? doubt everything. Okay. You have to do it. We're doubters. The study, published in the latest issue of Archaeological and Anthropological Sciences, marks the first successful effort to unveil the genetic makeup of a shrunken head. Quote, The shrunken heads were made from enemies' heads cut on the battlefield, said co-author Gila Kahila Bargal. That totally sounds like a made-up name. Thank you, Kevin.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, her name might be Gila Bargal, but everybody calls her Gila Kahila. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and she's got a show on like Ecuadorian MTV. Then, during spiritual ceremonies, enemies' heads were carefully reduced through boiling and heating in the attempt to lock the enemy's spirits and protect the killers from spiritual revenge. Did that work? Right. Well, I
3: I, I, I would not, think you'd
0: have to remove the skull to shrink you, the head. To shrink the head, not yeah, much of a trophy you, at that point. Yeah, you or must. You must remove. Yeah, the you skull. want you want to make the head bigger, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> the people that you've killed we get floppy. these strunken heads are great but how can I make them bigger
4: <laughs> well if you make them bigger you've only got to cut off one and then you That's just true. put it right at the
0: top of your biggest building it's not about quantity it's about quality uh, <laughs> exactly Kahila Bargal is a senior lecturer in the Hebrew University of Jerusalem's Coret School of Veterinary Medicine. Oh, And on Ecuadorian MTV. Uh, Definitely not. Jerusalem MTV. She is also a faculty member within the university's Department of Agricultural Food and Environment.
3: So, uh, I'd like to know what this woman's decapitating bona fides are. It sounds Mm -hmm. like she's coming at it from uh, not the best academic background here to...
2: It's uh, peripheral, certainly. It's yeah. a hobby. A uh-huh. bit of a tangent to veterinary medicine.
3: Just because this woman can grow baby <laughs> corn. head
2: counts as uh, <laughs> animals, right?
3: Just because this woman know- knows how to like make baby corn doesn't mean she's good on shrinking heads.
2: Mm. Maybe she was on a maize field project in South America and <laughs> alighted upon a shrunken head. Mm. Mm-hmm. And this just sparked a journey. I uh-huh.
4: certainly think that a vet knows a lot more about this than I would. Yeah, but that's setting the bar pretty
2: low. I don't generally. know. I don't know. <laughs> Really? Live call in. Any vets who have experience with shrunken heads, this is your chance. The lines are open. One of
0: our listeners is studying to be a vet. Maybe she also has some shrunken head expertise. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go way out on a limb and say no. Sydney will wait for your comment on Soda Podcast. Well, you've got to work your way up to humans, right? That's true. You you, you start
4: cutting off cat heads and shrinking them. Please, oh, listeners, don't do that.
0: Don't, 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 don't do that. For the study, she and her colleagues used DNA testing and other techniques to oh other techniques to examine the authenticity and possible cultural provenance of a shrunken head displayed at a museum in Tel Aviv. The head remains in an incredible state of preservation, and the deceased man's hair, facial features, and other physical characteristics intact. How small do these shrunken heads get, anyway? Like, are we talking,
3: you know, fit on the head of a pencil, like, troll That's... doll style? Or, or are we talking... They found one as small as a... we talking rice. softball, <laughs> baseball.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the Volleyball. Well, you can't find the smallest ones because they're microscopic. <laughs> yeah. No one's looking for that. They blow away in the wind. The shrunken head we studied was made from real human skin, Kahila Bargal said. The people who made it knew exactly how to peel the skin from the skull. There you go. Including the hair, uh-huh. she added, mentioning that it was also salted and boiled. Okay. The researchers determined the skin belonged to a man who lived and died in South America. He was probably a member of a group that fought the jivaro Shuar tribes in Ecuador. Oh, I totally called Ecuador. These tribes also lived in Peru during the post-Columbian period and were thought to make ritual shrunken heads out of their enemies. Although Cahila Bargal said, I think I have a new character for my uh, Dungeons and Dragons campaign. (laughs) Cahila Bargal. No kidding. (laughs) Orc barbarian. Oh, okay. Veterinary grower of maize. <laughs> <laughs> Although Keila Bargall said the DNA could not pinpoint the exact age of the shrunken head, the scientists estimate the individual was killed between sixteen hundred to eighteen ninety-eight AD. Well that's a pretty that's pretty wide range. Well DNA wouldn't do that. You use carbon fourteen to do that. Hmm. These
1: vets. <laughs>
2: <laughs> of
3: what? Wow, who knew? Dr. Robert had a chip <laughs> on his shoulder about veterinarians. <laughs> Wow, I thought, I thought uh, MDs like didn't like dentists. I thought that's who you guys were really up in arms
2: about. No, no, dentists are fine. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah It's yeah. vets that are the real No, world. no, vets are fine, too. All right. Yeah. These maize growing vets. I, I still don't <laughs> know what this is about. I, I do did, not understand this.
4: I did some looking around. Uh, we've got some heads that are shrunk down to about the size of a, of a man's fist, and another one that's about only the size of a thumb. Oh, oh wow. Right, look at that one, right? Oh, Whoa.
3: yeah. Yeah, there you go. That is shrunk.
0: It actually looks like a troll doll. It does. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, Mm. but that one was a baby to start out with. Come on. Sure. So lesser of two evils,
2: eating shrunken heads or eating Japanese genitalia.
1: (laughs) Genitalia. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Accounts of what happened to shrunken heads after the post-battle spiritual ceremonies vary. There are accounts that the Hivaro Shuar warriors kept the shrunken heads as keepsakes or personal adornments, even wearing them at certain times. U.S. Army officer Leonard Clark, who traveled to the region in 1948, said that he saw a shrunken head used in a ceremony and then stuffed in an old earthenware pot that was placed in a thatched ceiling of the house. Robbed of its soul, the savagely beautiful trophy no longer had any spiritual value, Clark wrote in a 1953 account.
4: Spiritual value. Yeah.
0: Uh Savagely beautiful.
4: How many souls will you give me for this head? That's got no spiritual value.
0: (laughs) Also in the decapitation uh, theme... Something we missed from 2005 Georgia, brought to our attention by our listener, Kiefer. Sutherland? Yes. Nice. Did you you know? No, I did not.
3: Excellent. Kiefer, let Donald know I'm a big fan. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Hey,
0: Dad. (laughs) This This guy really likes your work. A drunk driver who veered off the road and decapitated a friend who had had leaned his head out a window was sentenced to five years in prison. John Kemper Hutcherson, 21, was apparently drunk when he left a bar and drove Mm -hmm. off the road early Sunday and hit the support wire of a telephone pole, Uh, severing the head of Francis Daniel Brom, 23, who was holding his head outside the window to vomit. Oh, okay. So
3: two drunk idiots... Yeah. One vomiting out the window, the other one proceeding to crash his car. Oh, he didn't crash.
4: No, he drove right. past the drive by the yeah. wire, and the the guy's head drive-by. came off. Right, but sliced he, him. But
3: even if I were, if you were between the yellow line and the white line, well, that's, it's never going to happen there. Yeah, no. <laughs> so he was well
2: off the road. <laughs>
3: right. Yeah, but that's okay. that's not a different shape Not of a crash.
0: Crashing. No, but didn't he say they had an accident? Hutcherson then continued to drive 12 miles home. Oh. So he just no, drove no. off.
2: He just drove off the road. Yeah, he didn't oh. crash.
0: My my apologies. (laughs) I assumed that if you
3: crashed into a support wire for a a telephone pole. No, No, you don't stop. He drove (laughs) past
4: a support wire, but his friend's head was outside the window, so the head came off and he kept driving.
3: This almost takes more talent than if you were sober. If you were sober, he probably couldn't have done this. That close to support one, you could cut your friend's head off. One imagines if he were sober, in car. he wouldn't have done this. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's a big assumption, Doctor Rob. Um.
0: Only rigorous scientific testing can uh, Sorry, t- confirm t- or Kevin, disconfirm that. Let's
3: go for that. a
4: ride. Stick your head out the side. Uh-huh. I think I can do it.
0: <laughs> and then if you don't do it, we'll get you drunk and we'll try again. <laughs> oh. Hutcherson then continued to drive 12 miles home and slept in his blood flattered clothes, leaving Brahms' headless body in the vehicle. Did he not realize he cut his friend's head off? It's hard for one to imagine that you would drive several miles from a crash site to your home, turning in various directions, and yet not know what has happened to a passenger sitting next to you in your vehicle, said Captain Corporal Dana Pierce, spokesman for Cobb County Police. But he
3: did leave the body in the car, so it's not like he was trying to cover it up. Oh, let's go,
4: man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, you gonna pass out in the car? All right, that's cool. I'll a- see you in the morning. <laughs> I can't see your head, bro. <laughs> a neighbor out on a stroll with his baby daughter. Oh my god! Around eight a.m. Sunday, discovered Brahms' body inside the nineteen ninety two Chevrolet Z seventy one pickup thing. truck parked in Hutcherson's driveway. If
3: if I was stumbled across like a body hanging out the window of a truck like that. I think my first assumption would be that this is like a gag. Yeah. I think I don't think I would look and go... Which would make you dangerously walk closer to it. Yeah, th- but I don't think my first thing would be like, oh my God, there's a dead body hanging out of the a headless dead body hanging well, out of now the you know the window of that car. I think I would like, be like, oh, somebody's got like a movie dummy or something.
2: So working in the film industry yeah. has definitely... Got you off your reflexes. Yeah, no, no kidding. See, most of us <laughs>
4: run away. <laughs> wow, that is a really good dummy. I'm going ah! <laughs> to.
3: That's probably exactly how it would go down if I was the guy who walked across
2: mm-hmm. the <laughs> And then they shrink that head of yours. Yes, yeah,
3: the 911
4: call would be like this uh, Hello, 911. Ah! <laughs>
0: we'll send somebody right away, sir. After the headless corpse was removed, a damaged side view mirror was the only noticeable blemish on the vehicle.
3: Seriously, like, if you tried to do this sober,
0: you probably could not do it. Hutcherson had been charged with first-degree vehicular homicide, driving under the influence, failure to stop at an accident with death or injury, and failure to maintain lanes.
1: Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do it? Being that was, America, that's that, what
0: they pled him down to. Failing to maintain lanes, that's what got him the five years. The rest
3: of it was like six months probation. They pled him off, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, the rest was self-defense. Officers said Hutcherson appeared remorseful after they found him sleeping inside his home Sunday morning, still covered in blood and visibly inebriated. Maybe his defense should be,
3: I caught off my friend's head. I was stone cold sober. I went in the house and got drunk.
0: Oh, oh to get off the uh, driving under the influence uh-huh. charge. Yeah. Hmm. That only works for cops. <laughs> oh, yeah. Police found Abram's severed head at the crash site. Neighbors expressed grief and shock that a night of drinking could lead to decapitation.
4: Shocking. Grief oh, yeah. and shock. Shocking uh-huh. that high speeds and high tension wires... As t- tragic
2: as that story is, there was a much, much more uh, gruesome version like this that happened in northern Manitoba just a couple of years ago. A 17- and a 15-year-old girl came upon somebody who was asleep in her car. She was drunk and was just sleeping it off. Right. They broke into the vehicle, started it, drove away. A fight ensued. They shoved her out partway. She got tangled in the seatbelt... Oh. And her head was dragged along the road for oh. miles and miles and miles. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, wait, so these two girls like stole the car with her, like in, in the back seat, and decapitated her by dragging her head off.
4: So just ground it down. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So there'd be like a just a big red smear <laughs> along the road for miles. Something and miles. like
2: that. Yeah. 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 Uh. And it's Canada, so they got conditional sentences. Uh, so it probably wasn't that hard to that find them, though. No jail from
0: the re- from oh. the Red Trail. It's like the so. Worst- if
2: you're going to decapitate somebody with a car, drunk, do it in Canada. Right. Mm, that's good advice.
4: No, I, this could be our first Mythbusters-style test. Uh, get, a, get a dummy. Not, not Kevin dummy, but an actual dummy. We can put
0: Kevin's <laughs> face on it.
1: <laughs>
4: yeah, we'll, we'll take Each of us will get one try. Again, it'll kind of be like Top Gear as well. Mm-hmm. Each of us will get one try to get a really clean cut on the dummy, sticking out the window without damaging the car very much, and try and get a nice straight through the neck at the right speed. Yeah, we'll call it the human
0: paintbrush. You guys are sick. One,
1: two, three, four, take a tail, a little more. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I spinal cord, through the bone, spine, like d- 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 a spine, 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 Five, six seven eight nine ten I've been spider biped up spider biped up spider 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 up spider
0: do you guys remember when we did our live extravaganza? I do, That was the
3: first one, because we've done another live show since then. Oh, but what? it wasn't an extravaganza. Come on. I thought every time we do a live show, it's an extravaganza. Oh, no. We okay, had, all
0: right. We had previous guests. Yes, it's true. That's what made it extra extravaganza. <laughs> Careful how you say that. The other that. ones were just vaganzas. <laughs> this one was an extravaganza.
4: We got our decent amount of vaganza, and, okay. but, but in that one, we had extra.
0: All right. Well, I've got follow-up on that already. Okay, let's hear it. From June 2012. An extraordinary condition that ballooned Wesley Warren Jr.'s scrotum to a massive 100 pounds made him feel like a
3: freak. This was the guy who wore a hoodie for pants and put his legs through the arms because the hood would uh, cradle Mm -hmm. his
0: giant scrotum. Not just the hood, but the entire chest area, yeah. Yeah. And the Las Vegas man set off on a campaign to raise $1 million for corrective surgery. Yes. But given the chance to have the surgery, even at no cost— the 47-year-old remains reluctant to go under the knife. What? If anything, Warren's newfound fame may have gone to his head. Which I'll one? make a decision when I'm ready. head? <laughs> I'll make a decision when I'm ready, Warren said. Since the Review Journal first profiled him, Warren has appeared on the Howard Stern Show, uh-huh. Comedy Central, and will be the subject of a planned documentary on the Learning Channel.
2: This is not the kind of fame you want, Warren. <laughs> no.
0: But, but
3: somebody offered to perform the
0: surgery for free. Well, I'll get to that. Okay, a producer with the Dr. Oz show said they would find a surgeon to perform the procedure for free as long as he shared his journey exclusively with the program. Okay, Warren didn't want Th- that to. That seems con- like a fair exchange. Warren didn't really. want to be confined to one show, and later told the newspaper he was also worried the doctors selected for him could possibly maim or kill him during the surgery. Another uh-huh. doctor from the University of California has been in touch with Warren and is also offering his services for free as long as Nevada Medicaid pays for the room. Okay. Well, you know. Because uh, he wants to be the doctor that
4: yeah, right. removes that the giant that. scrotum.
0: Yeah. Because that's his thing. Doctor <laughs> <'Cause> said Warren.
4: <laughs> that's right. All right. Soon I'm going to have all the giant scrotums lining up because yeah. I'm going to be the guy.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to corner the, uh, the giant scrotum
0: niche. Warren suffers from scrotal lymphedema, uh-huh. which causes the scrotum to swell with watery fluid. His large size makes urination difficult and a normal sex life impossible. And Warren's- then, as Stewie pointed out, the bumping.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. The- oh. Oh, the bumping. <laughs>
0: At this point, would you refer to removing Warren from the scrotum?
1: <laughs> they, that would As be the most the a
0: procedure. procedure yeah. <laughs>
1: it's a, warrant,
4: well, a Warrenectomy. I can
2: only speak to the mechanics of it. I'd act, in terms of the ontological questions, I'd have to defer to a
0: philosopher. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they have a use.
4: They have a use. <laughs> Quick,
0: well, philosophy students. Warren's fears of complications during surgery aren't unfounded, according to reports, because doctors will be dealing with a potential for major bleeding. One imagines
2: there are major complications with not getting operated on.
0: He's been offered
3: to get it removed for free, Mm -hmm. not to cost any money. Yeah. All he would need to do is either get Nevada to pay for the hospital room or let
0: Dr. Oz film it for a show. Yeah. And he has refused. Why again? Warren scoffs at the idea that he's more interested in the notoriety than curing his condition. Who would want to live like this? He told the Review Journal. I Did just don't want to die during the operation. Yes, but that was the danger before he started trying to raise a million dollars to get the operation. It was still the same thing. You saying his logic isn't sound?
3: No, it's a,
0: it, there's a there's a there's a
3: flaw. There's
0: Maybe a f- that's the secret of his strength. Oh, uh- <laughs> craziness! Is this giant scrotum? Uh-huh. Oh, it's like, like Samson's Samson. hair. Cut yeah. kind of, oh. kind of off.
2: The scrotum has begun to emanate will rays. <laughs> and they speak through <laughs> exactly. Warren's mouth.
4: Maybe he doesn't have what they say he's got, and he's instead got that thing that's controlling his mind. Oh, like he's got the barnacle. The he's got the barnacle down In there. His... the barnacle's just but, growing
3: huge. Uh, except the barnacle isn't on his spine, it's on his scrotum. It's right on the bottom of his spine. Mm, yeah. It's t- hanging there. It's on his taint.
0: Yeah. We <laughs> thought it was a penis, but it was just a barnacle. <laughs> I had a (laughs) time For every time I heard that. We also have some listener mail from that episode. Chu, our listener Chu, writes, The B-36 nuke wasn't a practice nuke. It was a real nuke, but the plutonium core removed. Lead was used to simulate the core's weight. Remember we were talking about this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It had 500 pounds of high explosives, not uranium. The loss and search for the aircraft was not a big secret. The second search for the aircraft employed a local guide. The Canadians were notified and started searching for the survivors within minutes of the crew bailing out. We we talked about how
2: they got the survivors, but they couldn't find the plane, and then they had to go back. And for folks who are interested, there is a hike near Tofino to a crashed bomber. Not this one. Oh yeah, one that took off from uh, Tofino Airport on a patrol. Mm. uh, I always prefer
0: exercising towards something interesting. Okay. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Rather than just hiking. And it is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it did
4: have radioactive material. It did have a uh, quote a substantial quantity of natural uranium and 500 pounds of conventional explosives. And according to the U.S. Air Force, the bomb did not contain the plutonium core necessary for a nuclear detonation.
3: Mm. Okay.
0: But it still crashed and probably spread some uranium around oh there 's no uh, there 's no denying that this is a caustic story yeah uh-huh. and also the f- red fluid from the torpedo Dr. Rob saw was most likely auto fuel two it 's nasty stuff it does not need an oxidant to burn, which is why it 's used in torpedoes when it burns, uh-huh. it produces hydrogen 's hydrogen cyanide gas. it is addictive but doesn 't provide a high torpedo maintenance <laughs> personnel who have been exposed to it have often been caught stealing it. So you get addicted to it, but it doesn't actually get you high. This is the worst thing to get addicted to ever. It's like cigarettes, (laughs) except cyanide. And then also in that episode, uh, we had talked about epilepsy at length. Mm -hmm. And G.A. McKnight says, when epilepsy was brought up, my mind immediately went to a comic written about a friend of mine who suffers from it and has written a comic on the subject, which can be found at absencecomic.com. Okay. Basically, it's about some of his experiences growing up with it and information about what causes seizures and how to deal with them. Very interesting work by a couple of very talented guys. Also, my name is not totally made up. Kevin Leeson, if that is your real name. (laughs) Leeson. Uh-huh. Your dad's name isn't Lee. (laughs) All right, let's go to Science Blunders. I've got a follow-up. Something we passed over was Project Gas Buggy. An underground nuclear detonation carried out by the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission in 1967 in rural rural northern New Mexico. Okay. It was part of Operation Plowshare, a program designed to find peaceful uses for nuclear explosions.
2: (laughs) Um... (laughs) Well, that's certainly optimistic in the American spirit.
3: Does, does anyone actually live in New Mexico? Because everything the government does <laughs> seems to happen in New Mexico. Every like sort of questionable you know, experiment, it's all like, oh, northern New Mexico, remote New Mexico, yeah. unpopulated New Mexico, aliens oh, crash-landed in New Mexico. It's unpopulated after all those nuclear bombs went oh, off. Yes, it's a chicken and egg situation.
4: The government <laughs> hides it from you. It used to be a bustling <laughs> metropolis. metropolis yeah.
2: So if you're from New
0: Mexico, and you can prove it. Right in. (laughs) Uh, Project Gas Buggy was used to determine whether controlled nuclear explosions could be useful in loosening rock formations for the sake of natural gas extraction. I'm going to say
4: it is useful for the first part and not for the second part. A
0: 29 kiloton device was placed at a depth of 4,000 feet underground and detonated. A crowd had gathered to watch. Oh, dear Lord. (laughs) Which viewed the detonation from atop a nearby Butte. Mm. It's a beauty (laughs) So this is
3: like This was the early version of fracking This is what they did before they figured out (laughs) It's
4: strangely enough uh, Less safe than
0: fracking Yeah so we could call it nucofracking. fracking The explosion was carried out according to plan Detonating successfully and creating An 80 foot wide That's 24 meters 335 foot deep That's 102 meters crater at the site Wells were drilled and natural gas was extracted from the site however <laughs> the gas proved to be too radioactive
1: <laughs> to be commercially viable <laughs> after gasbug <laughs> who could have known <laughs> After Gas
0: Buggy 2, further nuclear explosions were carried out as part of Operation Plowshare in the interest of gas extraction. Did you say Gas Buggy 2? No. Two further (laughs) nuclear explosions. Oh, 2. All right, all right. Both in Colorado, devices were detonated as Project Rulison in 1969 and Project Rio Blanco in 1973, both with similar results. (laughs) We better check this again. Yeah, it could have been just a fluke. Gas Sometimes muggy. you don't have to. There could have, have been radioactive natural gas in there before we got in there. Uh-huh.
2: Sometimes you don't have to repeat the experiment.
3: If it was going to actually work, <laughs> it would have been a spin-off, uh, a, a spinoff Disney show, Nuki the Love Bug.
2: Speaking of watching a nuclear explosion, there's this surreal video of these Air Force officers on YouTube watching an airburst. And man, they are so excited! Oh yeah. yeah, they're
0: right underneath it, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Looking up at it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they all that's went on time. to live normal lifespans, but boy, they yeah, thought well, that they, was there just there's the there's best like show the on Earth.
0: Eye that day, that's <laughs> the safest spot is right underneath. Isn't that true? <laughs> I if you know. see an atomic <laughs> explosion, try to get under directly underneath it. Well, so that's this true,
4: is... but that's so that you die instantly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see.
3: Is this this is like the the nuclear experimental version
0: of if you smelt it, you dealt it. <laughs> All right, I've got a, uh, something for lust for, oh, from yeah. our lust episode. When Chinese police in Shandong province received a call reporting a body floating in one of the province's rivers on July 11th, mm, they wasted no time dispatching 18 of their finest officers to recover it. Okay. As the police struggled to bring the corpse to the shore, rumor of the incident spread, and a crowd of over 1,000 spectators gathered blocking traffic and preventing firefighters from reaching the scene. Hey, you guys okay. want
3: to see a dead body? <laughs> I All would. Right, So we got a th- we got 18 police officers. We got a thousand, cro- a thousand person crowd. We don't have firefighters. We got a dead body in the water. Uh, this doesn't sound particularly
0: lusty to me so far. Finally, 40 minutes later, Chinese police succeeded in recovering the body. Only it wasn't a body, but an inflatable sex doll. <laughs> As the doll was floating about 40 to 50 meters from the riverbank, it was difficult for the police to see what it actually was until it had been brought in closer. (laughs) After confirming that they had run around in a panic for nearly an hour over trying to rescue someone's former plaything, the police presented it to the anxious crowd who quickly covered their children's eyes and walked away. <laughs> oh, so the
2: dead body's just fine. <laughs> don't look at the sex doll, kiddies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this
3: is <like> it's too <laughs> horrible. <laughs> so did they DNA test the uh, the, the sex doll t- oh, to find out who s- disposed of it? Uh, so all right. They can prosecute them for all the extra expense? God. It was probably one of the police officers. <laughs> uh,
0: oh, Sherry! I mean, uh... <laughs> CSI so that's where that went
4: (laughs) say ax handle recording the horse track hooligans program really leaves my throat raw and irritated I've got just the thing for that the caustic soda radio hour a richer, bolder, more pleasing podcast. Say, is that the one with the unfiltered, full-bodied recording by Mr. Mike Leeson Esquire? Say, it sure is. Now, can I find that at my local pharmacy or dry goods store? <laughs> You'll only find a barrel of crackers or plug tobacco there. No, caustic soda can be found at Caustic soda Podcast com. Will there be Gibson
3: girls there? Heck no, but you can find videos, pictures, links, and even caustic soda ringtones for your wireless set. That sounds great. Say, how much is this going
4: to cost me? That's just it, Flatcap. Caustic soda is free to download. If you like what you hear, feel free to make a donation. Yeah, a few spondulics will keep the gas lights on and the laughs at full gallop. And if you don't agree that Caustic Soda is the richer, smoother, more pleasing podcast, send your questions and comments to info at causticsodapodcast.com and rate and review them on iTunes. Caustic Soda Podcast, a superlative blend of science and comedy with almost
1: no polio.
0: Episode idea. Hey, Tor Jovin. What's a Tor Jovin? Oh, it's a Tor Jovin. Uh... Vin? Tor Jovin. Ah. That's what we merge to form. Uh-huh. When, to form. When the- evil rears its ugly head in form of <laughs> <a> kaiju <laughs> monsters. Uh, 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 uh. Right. It's like Transformers,
2: but with six eyes.